If you're thinking about going into herd owning share milking, what are the main things you need to have in place before approaching the bank? How do you get yourself into as strong a position as possible to secure the bank's backing? And what are some often overlooked costs you need to have budgeted for? Welcome to episode 58 of Talking Dairy. My name is Ben Chapman-Smith. Our guest today is Sean Mitchell, ANZ Bank Agri-Manager, who's here to share a ton of great advice for aspiring herd-owning share milkers. This episode is a follow-up to our last one, where we heard from Craig Macbeth and Rachel Bunnock. Next time, we'll shift tack and look at how you can get the best bang for your fertiliser buck. A quick note, if you haven't already, hit subscribe on this podcast so you get notified when new episodes go live. Let's hear from Sean. Sean, welcome back to Talking Dairy. It was great to have you on for the Contract Milking Podcast, and it's very good of you to come back on and share your advice for herd-owning share milkers. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Ben. We, we do appreciate the invite. From your perspective, Sean, when is the right time for someone to step up into herd-owning share milking? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Often um, farming, it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. There's a multitude of skills that you need to run a business and to run a farm. So often it's moving up through your roles with on-farm, learning those skills as you go around cows and grass, often then getting into contract milking or variable or share milking or some form of running your own business to learn some of the business management side that you need to know, learning about things like GST, like running a set of financial accounts, like running a budget. Managing staff is another one as well. As These are all skill sets that you kind of build on as you go. So is there a right time? It will be different for everybody. The key one often to get into share milking is you do need to have cash behind you or equity. So often that means you have worked through a series of roles where you have been able to put some savings together or have some other financial support to be able to put some equity or cash into your first share milking position. I'm interested in knowing some of those skill sets, particularly around financial management. Do you ever recommend or would you recommend now that farmers actually go and upskill in those before they go into share milking and how? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I would suggest some of it is that you learn as you go as well. Um, so you can go to all the courses in the world, but until <laughs> yeah. you actually need that information, it's not as easy. Uh, it doesn't necessarily stick with you. So there are a lot of other industry and organisations out there, uh, Primary ITO, Dairy NZ, uh, a lot of your private firms or other firms out there. Agri-One's Development Trust is another one. They put a lot of support in this area as well and often free or little, little charge and a lot of benefit to businesses. So I suppose be like a sponge and soak up as much as you can. Some of it you will retain straight away. Some of it you will will settle in and I suppose make more sense as you go and run your own business, but also using your professionals. So we'll talk a little bit later on around accountants and the likes as well, but we're not all experts in everything. So if you don't have the skill set, do seek out and get the right skill set to help you in your business. Sean, what are some key things that a herd-owning share milker needs to think about compared to contract milking? Talking to um, one or two of our share milkers that have just purchased their first herds um, after 1st of June, and you do see they kind of step up a bit because suddenly these are your cows, they're your babies. 
it is your business and it's reliant on you. Um, there's nobody else to fall back on. And so sometimes they can be a little bit of possum caught in the headlights so the eyes are, are wide open um, because it is a step up. But again, it's having the right support network and that around you, having those people, those mentors and, and people to bounce off ideas, to share when you've got a problem. Don't keep it to yourself. Do actually ask other people. So the way I think about it is when you're taking on your first share milking job, first herd owning share milking job, probably for most of the people, this would be the highest debt levels they've ever had. Um, it's equivalent to buying your first house, but with a whole, probably a whole lot more risk associated with it. You, you are dealing with climate, and we've seen that, that over the last six months enough to be challenging. So you're dealing with climate, you're dealing with payout changes with, with impacts to your income, impacts to your production. We've seen interest rate moves, um, which start to have quite an impact um, when you've got high debt levels. There can be a bit more pressure on people, so it's making sure that actually you do have that right advice around you and right support, and get out and share those concerns or share those issues that are going on. Yeah, good one. What's the order that you do the following? Find a share milking job, get the loan approved, visit a lawyer to create a business structure, and visit an accountant for advice? Oh, it's a bit of a combination. And I suppose for those that are working through into their first, purchasing their first herd or looking towards it or taking on their first 50-50 share milking role, you'll be talking to them all at various times. You know, often you'll need to talk to your bank to get a bit of an idea, well, what actually is my borrowing ability? And your bank manager might be able to help you there or your accountant might be able to help you as well. But, you know, it's no point looking at a 400-cow share milking job when actually for you a 250-cow share milking job is more financially viable. So first step, I would say, would be talking to either your, your accountant or your bank manager around, hey, what, what could we look to do with the money that we've got? And sometimes we have conversations with people going, look, you've, you've built up a good level of savings, but it might not just be for you yet. You might just need another step up or can you get a look for other support or that in there? So it might be another year or so down the track, but this is what you can do to get there. So each job is different. Each position is different. Farms are not cookie-cutter businesses, which each one is you know is similar across. So you do have different contours, as I said before, different farm systems and the like. So budgets are quite different. So it is a little bit of a work in progress when you're looking at a share milking job to talk to your accountant around the budget, what does that look like? And that is, you know, if you're looking at a 50-50 job, it could be a system two or it could be a system five. Do you have the ability? What's your background? Where have you come from? Have you always operated a system two or operated at that level and suddenly look into a system five? What kind of is a jump in skills do you require? Is it a feasible proposition for you? So that's where probably engagement of your accountant is one of the next steps. Um, they will also provide advice around the best uh, ownership structure that is for you and your business now and for the future. So you're talking to them and then you're, you're often, before you get to the point of signing a share milking agreement, you're possibly talking back to the bank again um, after having provided your a bit of a budget around what the share milking position can support, what it looks like. Before you've probably signed your share milking agreement, you might want to talk to your solicitor going, well, what am I getting myself in for here? Is there anything that's unique about the share milking agreement that we need to be aware aware of? How do we get out if we need to? All those kind of um, questions that you don't like to ask. Uh, you always go in with, with rose-tinted glasses that everything's going to be great. But you know, with experience, we've seen that not everything is always great. So having someone else just cast your eyes across it, but does protect you down the track or can protect you down the track. So there's no real, you're kind of back and forth. And it is, if you haven't worked with your professionals and your advisors a lot up until then, you will tend to start to build quite a close relationship over a period of time as we're all trying to get a feel for what does this look like for you and ensuring that we're putting you into a position 
which is achievable and mm. um, is successful, I suppose, for you. The other thing just to think about is sometimes what we'll find is farm owners might like some level of comfort that you actually have finance approved or you have the ability to get finance before they get too far down the signing the, the contract. So there is often it's just keep that communication going with everyone and we do our best to see how can we put that together for you so to give everyone a bit of comfort uh, where we can. Are there any other things that people entering share milking need to think about before approaching the bank? And perhaps you can talk a bit about tax here. Yeah, so I suppose I touched a little bit earlier around your farm systems and and around actually kind of assessing the production that you want to do or you think you can do on that farm. What's that farm done previously? And so often your advisors will look back to go, well, what's happened the last three years or so? And how does what your budgeting stack up? Does it align? And if not, can we understand why? And, and that's taking into account climatic factors, farm system changes, management in there as well. So that's one thing to think about is, is actually, hey, how, how feasible is our budget for year one? Often um, the other thing to consider is you'll buy your cows going into year one and you'll have the cows that you need. Now, a lot of people might not buy their rising one dairy heifers going in because the cost um, to factor in a to purchase them and you're servicing that debt, but b you've got to you've got to put them somewhere. You've got grazing to think about, and often this will be the first time you've ever had to consider grazing as well. So how do you find a grazier? So a lot of people won't buy their R1s at the start, but they'll need to then buy their replacements at the end of the year because you will need fifteen to twenty percent of your herd to come into the second year. So that needs to be considered in your budget. How do you buy your replacement stock? Does your budget show enough to show the ability to do that? And if it doesn't, and often is the case, you'll need to talk to your bank again. So it's actually been open and clear about that up front. It's around everyone knows what they're, what they're getting into, I suppose. So yeah, how are you going to purchase your, your replacements at the end of the financial year? The other thing as well is coming into 50-50 is tax. And if you've operated a contract milking or variable order business prior, you, you'll have it and you'll know the concept of tax, but it goes up a gear. And suddenly, depending on the size of your business, you might not pay a lot of tax in that first year, but going into that second year, you'll need to be aware of your provisional tax payments for that second year, but also for your terminal from the year prior. So it's just having some, keeping a regular conversation with your accountant around, you know, what is my tax position? What do I need to be aware of? And factoring that into your year two budget and having a bit of a feel for that again. uh, We're not asking you to do year two budgets initially at the start, but you do want to be looking forward, right, um, around what does the future look like and making sure that you are still in a sound position. Mm. Sean, how important is it to have uh, that control over personal drawings? Quite important. It is a tough one, especially in today's times. It's not getting any cheaper out there just to live and put food on the table. So I'm not sure if there's an average drawings as such, but there's a whole lot of different structures out there. Um, We've got people, depending on where they live and their location, have the ability to work off farm or some partners can. So that has the ability to lower drawings. So what I would say is drawings is an expense, and this does limit your borrowing ability, and it limits the surplus available to pay interest and repay principal. So what we see is those that have a stricter behaviour or control around drawings can often achieve their goals a little bit sooner. Now, there's no right or wrong answer to that, but that's a general trend is what we're seeing out there. Will banks approve a loan to buy cows and machinery before you've actually secured a job? Probably comes back to the, one of the questions earlier is around, it is a bit of a combination around, there are you know, shemoking jobs and farms are not cookie cutter. So it's not like, hey, here's your approval, 
you're good to go on any business you're looking at because they're all different. So what I'd say there is unless you have a high level of cash or equity or cash on hand, then often it would be an indicative approval subject to giving us a little bit more detail, you know, based upon your budget. So this should give you the ability to look for jobs with more certainty, but again, just gives us the ability to actually do a bit of a, put our eye across it going, again, is it feasible? You know, does this work for you? So the answer to that is, it depends, I suppose. It's a bit like anything, isn't it? It's um, every farm position is unique. They're not all the same. So to sum it up, unless you're in a strong position, it is difficult to give you a formal approval uh, right at the outset, but we can generally give you a pretty good steer on where we think it looks. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How does the bank take security over the cows, Shana, and why do they do this? And what are the options if security is short? Yeah. So if you you think about generally banks will lend money. And if you think about buying your first house, generally the bank will take security over the house. If you don't make your loan repayments, we can recoup our costs, I suppose, or our lending. It's the same kind of principle applies with cows, is to loan you money, we need to have some form of security to support it. So the banks generally will do that through the form of a general security agreement, which is a it is a legal document. It is a document that you need to sign with your solicitor, get independent legal advice. And that then it gives us the ability to lend against your cows, is that if, if for some reason you do not make your loan repayments. And this is generally quite a way down the track. So we don't tend to try and take recourse on stock in a, a quickly, but it gives us the ability to go back and actually and access those animals should we need to, to recoup our loan. That's our last resort. Mm. That's why we spend the time at the start, looking at your budget, looking at the cash flow around, is this feasible? Is it viable? Are we setting you up to succeed? If we do our groundwork there right, we will never have to call upon our general our, our security agreement, and that's our bank's preference. No, we don't want to do that either. So, but it is a, the last line of defence, I suppose. So, part of that as well is having a general security agreement. We'll often talk about a consent to entry. So, just trying to, to share some of the terms that we use out there, and that generally often you will own stock that we have security over, but they're not on your land. So, banks or well, nobody has access. Any financier does not have access to come onto someone else's land without their approval. So a consent entry is kind of the connecting point. We will ask your farm owner to sign that, which kind of, and there's there's a little bit more documentation Mm. around it, but um, around giving the banks access, should we need to, to come onto the property? Again, um, in my many years' experience at a bank, this is something that we just, we don't use very often at all as help. Absolute last resort, but it just we do need to ensure that our paperwork is correct, I suppose. So, yeah, it makes yep. sense. Yeah, so you also mentioned around what happens if security is short and we and we can't quite push outside of our security parameters, or you might be just pushing them a little bit too far for our comfort levels. You can look at, at something like a guarantee from a, a stronger family group or from another family member. Uh, it could be that you have a house somewhere that we could link it to. So We do use those. Again, that is another legal document that you need to go and get legal advice, independent advice from your solicitor. And if you're taking a guarantee from a family member or they're supporting you, they will need to get independent legal advice. So it's an option. It's probably not our preference. You know, it is an option to help support get people into positions. But we also want to know, what are we going back to? So if it does all go belly up and we've got to go back and call upon our guarantee, we don't want to be kicking mum out of her house. So if the guarantee is only supported by mum's house in town, it's not likely that we're going to want to go down that track. 
the last thing we want to do is go, sorry, mum, we want your house. It's not a position that any bank I would imagine wants to be in. So generally it's an option, but it's not always the answer. What we're another one we will often see is if you've got family members who might be in a position to support, but they don't want to do it by way of a guarantee, they might do it by way of a loan. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a loan gifting, not so much, because once it's gifted, that money is, is effectively gone. But it could be another loan in the background, which helps shore up some of your security there. So probably one thing I didn't know, mention before around the guarantees was we will often limit that to an amount. Not in, There's two types of guarantees, all obligations, which we will take mum's kitchen sink and everything, bit of a, a over-exaggeration, but it kind of covers a lot more, or we'll limit it to a certain amount, which just kind of protects anybody else supporting you as well. So, mm, yeah. Mm. You mentioned GST earlier, but can you talk about how the loan works when you're buying a herd of cows? Yeah, definitely. So if you've, you've operated a contract milking business or the likes or self-employed prior, you'll you'll have an understanding around GST. Cows are no different, except the check's just a bit bigger. So often you're talking about your purchase price of cows, and so you're paying your 15% GST. So on a $2,000 cow, that's $300 of GST. Now, that's quite a lot of money when you're first starting out to find, uh, especially when you multiply it across 200, 300 or 400 cows. So what we'll tend to do is you do need to pay that GST and then you'll claim it back. Now, most people would be set up on a two-monthly GST return. And if you're not, we'd probably, we'd tend to suggest go and talk to your accountant and ensure you are. And then what that means is you'll need to pay your GST before you get that GST back. Now, we can leave that sitting in your overdraft, but it'll probably, on a tight cash flow part of the year, restrict your ability to operate. So we tend to provide a short-term loan that's over and above your cows, um, your purchase price for your cows. So if you've, you've paid $2,000 for your cows, let's say, we'll have that loan sitting there and then we'll have your GST loan separate with a shorter maturity date. And that'll tend to be aligned of once your GST's back in, we'll repay the loan. Mm-hmm. It allows you to cash flow okay, doesn't impact your overdraft, and B, it's probably a little bit cheaper being on term lending than it is sitting in your overdraft on the seasonal interest rates. So nine times out of 10, they're back in very quickly. Every now and again, IRD might just question, um, and that's a conversation that you'll have with your accountant. Generally, that comes back in, but within two months, we tend to see that money is, is back in your account, that loan's repaid. Mm-hmm. Yep. I understand that historically, herd owning share milkers have paid off loans quickly, right? What's the best way to structure your loan? When you're first starting out and you've got high debt levels, banks would likely be a little bit strict around what kind of repayment terms we'd like you on. Now, we appreciate that if you're first starting out share milking, your first six months, your income's pretty constrained. Got some big checks going out, and it's not till your September, October that your milk checks really start to flow through. So often we will look at having some term debt structured on, on interest only for six months or having your term debt on interest only with the view to probably kick in after Christmas. Now, initially with higher levels, we might be a bit more structured around we would like to see some monthly repayments. And that, again, just um, does help probably bed in, embed some, some good behaviour around repaying some debt and getting yourself back to a comfortable position. Second to that is you do have a choice as to whether you're fixed or floating. What your choice is, I suppose, will depend on a number of things. Some of it will be where interest rates are at. Some of it will be what does your budget look like for the next year or two? How much free cash is there? 
if we're going to be a little bit tighter, do we want some certainty and have our money fixed? So there's no right or wrong answer to that, and you've got a choice as to what you do. So, And, and that's more around having a conversation with your um, bank manager and your other advisors, your, your accountant, around, hey, what shall we look to do? We have a range out there. So it depends on people's circumstances and what they're comfortable with. Some people, having your money fixed, knowing what your monthly repayments are, helps you sleep at night. So it's finding what, what works best for you. Sean, just a couple more questions for you. Um, herd owning share milking can produce very high profits in good seasons with a good milk price. And then sometimes, you know, people might be just be breaking even in other seasons. My colleague here, Paul Bird, told me that on average returns are around 12% return on, on assets. What's the best way to approach or think about this large variability in profit from season to season? I imagine it can be quite tough for people to cope with mentally. Definitely, it is. And, you know, we have seen over the last 12 months, as an example of that, um, some challenging times around price increases and interest rate moves. So what we probably would suggest or look towards is how do you make balance sheet resilient? How do you strengthen your balance sheet in the good times to get you through those tougher times? And some of that is around debt repayment is one thing that is key to that. But also growth in your account numbers and your stock numbers. If you think around, I look and I go, corner shops don't have little corner shops, but dairy cows have little dairy cows. So you can grow your business um, over time as well. So <laughs> as I say, is ensure your balance sheet is resilient. You pay back the debt in the good times. Cautious around your cost control, your management, your plant replacement, what is a necessity, what's a nice to have or a need to have. To build a resilience in, that when the times are a bit tougher, if we need to switch off some principal repayments, we can do that. If you need an overdraft extension to support you through, that we can support you to do that. And it just shows good behaviour and good business practice. If the, the money spent elsewhere in the good times and you come back in the, in the tougher times, it can be a little bit harder to provide that support around you. So definitely, I mean, from a bank point of view, I'd say debt repayment. Because if your view is to continue to grow, then the quicker you get your debt down, it gives you the ability to grow again and move on into your bigger job, second job, or your first farm. Cool. Any final thoughts for uh, aspiring or current share milkers, herd owning share milkers? It's an exciting industry. And now I've sat on the side of our team looking at share milking propositions over the last kind of eight months. And man, we've got some awesome operators out there. You know, to see our team just looking at bringing some of these deals to my desk going, look at these guys, look what they've built up over a short space of time and look what they're wanting to do. And flowing through to the other side of that is we've now got people who are in a very good position through share milking and they're starting to look to their second share milking job or even their first farm. They are still out there. It's not easy. It is hard work. The opportunities are out there for the right people. So I'd say get into it. Good on you, Sean. Hey, thank you so much for coming over today for this interview. It's really cool of you and just bringing your knowledge and your experience. You've got a lot of experience in the industry. Um, so thank you, Sean. No, thank you, Ben. Do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. And I just want to say a quick thank you to all of you who listen and subscribe to this podcast, both here in New Zealand and overseas. At DairyNZ, we're really grateful for your support, your feedback, and your new ideas for podcasts. And on that note, please don't be shy to drop me a line if you have any fresh ideas at talkingdairy at dairynz.co.nz. 
Also, check out the show notes for some really useful links for those of you already share milking or considering it. The links include comprehensive information on share milking from DairyNZ, fed farmers fit for purpose contracts and agreements, and some excellent courses run by Dairy Training Limited. Catch you next time.